0: Listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. And I'm Nicholas
1: Ferreri. And we are meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is the
0: Pass the Forecast
1: Podcast. And Nicholas is back once again. Joe worked a very long stretch. He sure did. And we'll touch on why he worked on a long stretch, especially on Monday coming up. But that, that, that is why he is not here today for the podcast. And we welcome Nicholas back for
0: this Wednesday. Whoa! How's Glad to
1: be here. You enjoying the day?
0: Uh, so far, hey. The weather is so much calmer than it was just a couple days ago. We don't really have much to track outside regarding storms, just sunshine, warmth, and humidity is pretty good. I've gotten lots of compliments on today's
1: weather, and the good news is it continues
0: for a few more days. Yes. Very similar. But man, Monday was Crazy. A quickly evolving day as we watched the severe threat rise from morning into the afternoon. We saw what was coming together off to the west with strong storms, high winds, and a wide swath of severe weather damage. And that's going to be the topic in Tracking the Topics. Tracking the
1: Topics. So as you mentioned, we saw this system developing the day of the event. Mm -hmm. We were looking back... Saturday and Sunday, this is going to come back up in hits and misses, but Joe and I saw that there was going to be, uh, we had a cold front and we had a lot of humidity. The weekend was very humid. Combine a lot of humidity with a cold front, you know, the cold front's moving through on Monday evening, you're going to have rain chances and storm chances. We did not anticipate it to be this strong, and it's because, as we, Joe and I both mentioned over the weekend, it was an ever-evolving situation, very fluid, because mm-hmm. we're in that pattern, we're in that time of year where you can get... Something to pop up and it can start to form into a derecho, which is what we had. It's uh, to remind people what a derecho is it is a long spanning wind event, severe level strength wind spanning, I believe it's over 250 miles. And this is around there somewhere. Yeah, I don't yeah. have
0: that definition right in front of me. We're in the hundreds of miles yeah. category. That's the main key.
1: Regardless, this stretched all the way back to Iowa and caused tornadoes and severe wind damage 90 to 100 mile per hour winds and we were looking at the radar whenever it was moving through here and they were pretty close to that in some right. spots
0: yeah we were getting those estimates 70 to 80 miles per hour on our live doppler 15 fury storm tracker at times i did see one confirmed report i didn't get a lot of actual observed wind gusts from monday night storms but the one that i did see before we went on the air with nightcast was a confirmed 69 mile per hour gust so there we are right yeah, that around was at the 70. airport right uh, that was uh, that was on the north side of town if i remember right that was not an an airport uh, but it was within the county Okay, because if I, I remember right, it was north side of the
1: town. I thought I saw the 9-mile county road report, and that would be the airport.
0: Oh, well, if you saw if you saw a 9-mile one and that was around uh, that, then that would have been—I I believe this was a separate. Yeah. What, I'm, what I'm remembering is up around the Wallen area.
1: Yeah, regardless, that just proves our point that there were over near 70-mile power, and as we've seen with some of the damage— over 70 mile-per-hour winds. Uh, We had parts of Allen County that got hit hard, I know up by the Till Road area here Mm -hmm. in Fort Wayne, and then we go up towards Noble County where I was yesterday. Yes, you sure sure saw a lot up there. uh, There was a lot of damage around downtown Kendallville, broken windows, awnings down, and some of these trees that look like they're over 100 years old, you could barely put your arms around them.
0: Yeah, when we saw that video last night on the news and that story online on wayne.com, people can check out that video. I mean, it's normal. You can imagine when you get storms coming through those small trees, tree limbs, the trees that are dying, not very healthy, you kind of almost expect those to go down. But this tree that you spotted yesterday in Kendallville, as you surveyed the damage. I mean, that was a huge tree. You have got to believe that those winds were 70 miles per hour or greater to knock something like that down. 80, 90. Yeah, and we had plenty of other large trees also from various photos. um, But but that tree that you spotted, I mean, I think that really took the top prize from what we had seen come into the newsroom prior to that.
1: Yeah, and and we got video. Uh, No confirmed tornadoes in our exact area. There were a couple confirmed uh, between here and South Bend. Just outside of Northern Kosciuszko County, I believe.
0: Yeah, well, that was near North Webster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it kind of it was not a long lasting one, but it was an e f one tornado peak wind gust there, ninety miles per hour. So it was interesting that we got those to confirm, that one in North Webster, then another one more in northwestern Indiana, what, what we'd consider if we drew a dividing line, northwestern Indiana, northeastern Indiana, well, we'd put North Webster in the northeast part because we do have some people who are able to pick up Wayne 15 over there in North Webster. You get outside of our area, you get to Wakarusa, more, I'd consider that northwest Indiana, another tornado there. But one of the main points when we were on the air on Monday, was emphasizing that tornado, no tornado in this situation, especially Monday night, that didn't matter because our winds were so high. We were going to see the likelihood of tornado-like damage all across the region, and we did see so many places affected.
1: I had several people come up to me while I was in Kendallville asking, was it a tornado? Was it a tornado? And even here in Fort Wayne, we had video of what you would... You could have seen, mm-hmm, yes, how it appeared to be a tornado, but we collaborated with the National Weather Service, and we came to the understanding that it was more of a gust NATO. What's the difference between a
0: tornado and a gust NATO? Well, with the gust nato, okay, now you're thinking uh, both of these swirling vortexes of air with the gust NATO, these are forming more from the downburst winds, so the winds rushing out from the thunderstorms themselves. They're swirling, they tend to pick up debris, but they're not connected to the top of the clouds. They're not connected back into the storm, so they're not considered tornadoes as a result. They can still cause some damage at times, obviously got a lot of wind swirling around. So we really thank our colleagues over there at the National Weather Service in the North Webster office because we sent the video over to them. Uh, it's always good to get another set of eyes on these things, and it is difficult at times when you look at these videos. You know, obviously there's some loss in quality from seeing it in person, from when the viewer sends it to us, yeah, than when we're watching on a screen, see it. yeah, it, it, there's nothing like seeing it in person, but of course it's, it's better to see something than to just get an um, audio report from somebody yes. seeing. oh, I saw something in the sky, well, we can't determine anything from that. Now, with all of our great smartphone cameras, we can capture a lot of stuff. Um, So so when we looked at that and you and I looked at that, Dirk in the newsroom, he's the one who brought it to our attention, was able to get, you know, get in contact with the viewer who took that and give us permission to use it and share it with everybody. You know, we looked at it, we knew something was happening. Um, We could not make a visual confirmation of a tornado on the ground, a lot of trees in the distance and things like that, but we knew something was happening. And so uh, when the Weather Service meteorologist analyzed it and also looked at some other things going on on the radar. Uh, they were a piece together that the most likely scenario there was Gus Nado. and that's kind of like whenever you're
1: it, I, I like to explain it as uh, in the fall, you look down, you see all the leaves on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you see a little swirl. You could be sitting in, the, in your car at a traffic light, just see a little swirl of the leaves and you see a little vortex pop up. This was very similar to that, same kind of concept just on a larger scale. That wasn't quite able to become a tornado. It was a gust NATO because it was just a, a brief gust of wind. It might not have seemed brief to some people, right, but it's brief in the grand scheme of things. right. I think that's a great
0: way to put in perspective for people listening.
1: Yes, and we've mentioned tornadoes multiple times, and you recently told me that you watched a documentary, mm, yes, on Fujita.
0: Yes, Ted Fujita. yes creator of the Fujita scale. A lot of people have heard F1, F2, F3 tornado, or what is now the enhanced Fujita scale, a refinement of that original scale, all of this ranking the damage from tornadoes and equating the tornado strength to the damage that spotted and observed. And so, yeah, I was watching this documentary. I just finished it up this morning. What was it on? It was on PBS. It's an American Experience um, documentary, so people can pull that up a variety of ways and, and obviously we learn a little bit about Ted Fujita in school we I think we learn more about I mean I don't speak for me but I would think I really learned all, all only about the scale not That's much about the about. man yeah. himself so let me tell you what I learned in this because there good. were a lot of different pieces that I did not know um, so uh, Ted Fujita hailing from Japan was there when the atomic bomb went off in nagasaki okay so then after the bomb goes off he was part of a team that helped go out and kind of survey the damage make calculations they were kind of working to determine well where did the bomb go off how far up did it go off and and just kind of pinpoint that and so from surveying that damage he noticed how all of the you know, trees, the landscape, all that damage was affected by where they calculated that the bomb exploded, and through the damage, he was able to piece all of this together. Now, this is very similar to, you know, he he picks up this study in meteorology. He's originally an engineer, but he comes to the uh, U.S. the gets to the uh, University of Chicago, I believe it was, and really picks up meteorology even more, really gets this fascination with trying to put some logic behind tornadoes. Because so, so many things are still unknown about tornadoes, but you go a few decades back, even more oh, things yeah. unknown. So this was really what he lashed on to, was trying to figure out by looking at evidence, what was happening when tornadoes developed. And so what did he do? Uh, taking a piece from uh, the atomic bomb going off and seeing how uh, trees were blown down, what directions they went, uh, he was able to make determinations with tornadoes as to what the type of damage that they would cause. Uh, he then looked at the structures. You know, depending on the type of damage that occurred, he could then equate that to the wind speeds that were most likely with the tornadoes. So there's that that's the basics that we probably knew you probably knew most of that I did not right? know a
1: lot about his time in Japan yeah probably not the Japan but you knew of his the
0: studies and he's a he's obviously a
1: big wig in the meteorology community
0: but you probably knew the the kind of origins of yes. the Fujita scale those parts you knew okay so I think that's what all us meteorologists we know about him immediately then after he becomes famous and really widely accepted and praised in the meteorological community for this work regarding tornadoes oh he also was the one who first like laid out the belief in multiple vortex tornadoes I did not know that so (laughs) a a tribute there's another thing that goes in his cap people didn't believe him they said you're crazy show us the proof He said, you don't necessarily need to have proof to know something happens. And through all of his look at the damage, he was able to figure that out, okay? That became widely accepted and agreed upon belief. Okay, now we go to the next thing. There was a bad uh, plane crash. After that happened, the airlines called him out, said, come investigate this. And through that, he developed the idea of what we know as a microburst, this big sudden downdraft of winds occurring along a small-scale area. And with that, again, the meteorological community at the time said, you're crazy. Just, you're just exaggerating downdraft. That's all it was. It wasn't. What is this microburst phenomenon that you're talking about? Well, sure enough, he went out He proved it again. Another thing, now that we know so much about that, his work changed how airplanes fly, the things pilots look out for, um, and has helped give safety to so many people flying. I had no idea he was involved with microbursts either. Any clue in that? So there's really a lot more to him than just tornadoes. He's known as Mr. Tornado for all of his work, but. He did so many other things, and it's really interesting to see how these are things that we learn in school. We are There is no doubt behind them, but yet at the time, they were really controversial ideas. Yeah, They were very uh, opinionated
1: people at that time going against him, and turns out most of what he said about those things was, Accurate.
0: Yeah, it was very fascinating. Very fascinating. I definitely
1: have to check this out. On a scale of one to ten, how much recommended to a normal person and to a meteorologist?
0: <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Well, let's see. I would say, I would say, on a scale one through ten, to a normal non meteorological person, I'd give it, I'd give it a six, and then I'd give it an eight for meteorologists. I'm definitely going to be uh, looking into. Finding
1: that and being able to uh, learn more, and we'll have our Fujita discussion
0: off the podcast after. Yes. We'll share reviews. Once I catch Mm -hmm. up.
1: We also, we don't just look to the sky for weather. Right. We look to the sky for space. And there's currently a pretty cool show, happens every year, but we're in the peak of it right now, the Perseid Meteor Shower. I believe I'm saying that right every time I see it. (laughs) I think I'm saying it wrong. No, you got it right. Well, as far
0: as I know, that's how I pronounce it, Adam. Well, so. then we are, we're either both
1: <laughs> in, it in the right or we're both in the wrong. Right. Regardless, these are like, you can, if, you, if you, right now, probably, I would say for the next day or so, you'd be able to see a decent show as long as we're clear enough. Uh, get away from the city lights. The moon might have a, more of an impact this year around because there's a little bit more uh, reflection from that, providing some light mm-hmm. impacting your eyes. But you could see like between 100 to 200 an hour. Oh, if you're in I, the right
0: spot. I have a much lower number.
1: You have a much that, lower number?
0: That 100 to 200 is coming from this way. Oh, I just read this yesterday. I don't have it oh. in front of me. It's coming from some other, like, calculation that they make. Like, if it was absolutely perfect. perfect. And this can be. This is why people like this meteor shower, why it's one of the ones we pretty much always talk about every year, because it has the potential to give, like tens of meteors an hour, if not 100 plus if you get one of those Mm -hmm. really good years. But like you mentioned, with those uh, with the moon kind of getting brighter later at night during the overnight, we have like this window that last night during the peak was around 11 at night to 1230 when the moon wasn't going to be too, too bright to drown out even more meteors. You could maybe see 9 to 10 an hour which it's still... It's still fairly good. Sometimes we get some meteor showers. You're going to see one or two, and then uh, that's almost, you know, you got to have really good luck because you yeah. got to have a lot of patience. You got to really be looking. I'm nine to ten, you know, a little patience. You'll probably see something if the sky's clear. Um, so I don't know how many people were able to catch too much last night. You know, I gave my viewing forecast for it. I called it good. By the time we get to eleven o'clock newscast, I called it good with an asterisk because <laughs> there were too many. There were In some spots, there were more clouds than I expected. So the places that had a better view of the sky likely had a better chance at seeing those meteors. But I, I did not see many messages come in from people. Usually when people get a good show, they'll try to send me a picture. They'll at least tell me, oh, I saw it. It was great. Um, still kind of waiting to hear on that. But I, you can give it a shot tonight or yeah. tomorrow night. You may not see 9 or 10, but you may see a few. I remember when I was younger, my parents
1: woke me up. It felt like they woke me up at like 2 to 3 in the morning to go outside and see a meteor shower. At that age, I was like 5, 6, maybe 7. I don't remember exactly what time it is. 11 o'clock at night felt like it was 2 a.m. Feels like now. So it was probably very close to 10, 11 o'clock. And I remember going outside all groggy, and then we sat out in the backyard looking up at the sky, and we saw... Uh probably I'd say over 10. Well, I don't know really what like shower that. or show it was, but yeah, I remember specifically that memory of waking up begrudgingly going outside but also like being confused why they were taking me outside. Like you know how you wake yeah. up in that fog? Right,
0: what's happening? Even yeah. as a
1: kid, you're you're probably even more confused by what's going on because you're not asleep. And it's just pitch black dark outside and then you start seeing all these meteors and you kind of feel like you're dreaming. That's like that's the memory that I have. And sometimes I I would be driving whenever I lived in Texas where it's where I was in San Angelo is very isolated from the rest of the state in terms of there's not a lot of lights uh, in the downtown area. So it doesn't city lights don't have a big impact. I'd be driving into work at 2 a.m. I'd see two or three meteors in the morning. I'd be like, wait a minute. Did I just see a, a shooting star? Well,
0: yeah, I did. Right. Yeah. And of course, shooting stars can happen any time of the year. Then you get these meteor showers where you can maybe condense more of them at once. I think one of the big things for people to know is a lot of people who maybe don't have experience looking at meteor showers, they hear us say it on TV or see our posts online and then they think they're going to go outside and just see like a constant stream of meteors crossing the sky, almost like in the movies. And that's not the case with these. Even, I'd say, some of our biggest, best, brightest meteor showers, you still got to go out there. In a lot of cases, it's going to take some time for you to get out there. Look up in the darkest part of the sky. Wait. Be patient. Let your eyes adjust. It's, gotta, it's more of a slow process. It's not necessar- necessarily something you walk outside, look up, oh, there it is. I'll take it in, and then I walk back inside. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of patience mm-hmm.
1: goes into seeing these meteors. And sometimes you need a lot of patience when you're on a reality TV show. Oh, that's true. And that's something that we both enjoy with the programs that are right here on our air at Wayne 15 mm-hmm. on CBS. You're a Big Brother fan. I am, absolutely. I've only watched Big Brother in the sense that it is on our air and I occasionally catch clips. And it looks interesting. It's just it's almost like I feel like I've, been, I've never gotten into it. So I would be very confused by what each role is. Like you got a veto, you got a, a head of household, which I think is the person that puts the people up you got to it. be vetoed, mm-hmm. from what I understand. I, I don't know how you I think you win these things by competing and winning these challenges. It's very much like Survivor, right. which you love, which I love, but Survivor is outside. Yes. And not in a house. (laughs) Right. So it sparks the question, would you rather be on Big Brother or Survivor? It is a big question
0: when you think about it because, okay, you're isolated in two ways. You're either isolated on an island, but you're actually outside with a greater space to move about. You have an island to explore. In Big Brother, you're cooped up in their house, which is on a soundstage in Los Angeles, they do have a little bit of a backyard, so it's not like you can't go outside, but you have no contact with anybody in the outside world. I mean, similar to Survivor, you're, n- you're only in contact with the people who are there on the island with you. But do you want the comforts of home on Big Brother where they bring you food, uh, they bring you groceries, you have air conditioning?
1: You're forgetting the most important thing there, Nicholas. You have a toilet. You have a toilet.
0: You have electricity. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to really rough it and, you know, be out there making fire, trying to find food, find food. be out from all comforts of nature? So are
1: they the same prize? It's a million-dollar prize?
0: It is a $500,000 prize on Big Brother. Okay. Well, that's because you don't spend all your time outside. I think that <laughs> might be part of it, yes. Um,
1: well, then, that if you want to win more money, you go on Survivor. In terms of my thought process, I'd be willing to give Big Brother a try. I just haven't. It's usually the off-season of TV shows anyway right, where right. I'm just I'm trying to spend time outside. That's where sports are, Wish they're now back. That's where I'm usually paying a lot of attention to. Um, I'd still probably have to go Survivor because if I'm on Big Brother, I don't think I would be paying enough attention to the game. To try and win. Because like you said. You have all the comforts of home. You have your AC. You're inside. You can get food. Whenever you want. But if you're roughing it outside. In my mind. I'm going to be more focused on the game. And the fact that. Yeah it seems like you're camping. But you're really roughing it camping. That's my thought.
0: Yeah it's. It's It's a tough choice. It's tough because there are a lot of elements that are the same. You have to have those relationships with the other people who are playing these games with you because they're voting out people every week. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the competition, they're voting on who the winner is. So you have a lot of similarities there. You have a game of strategy. You have physical challenges in both. So there are so many things that make them similar, but yet they're so different. This is a struggle for me as well, because I like both shows. I've always said, I don't know, I could go in that Big Brother house with those people they find. Adam, they are so crazy. Uh, I mean, yeah, would too. you want to be with these crazy people? I mean, at least on an island, you can, I don't know, go to some isolated spot and get away from these nuts. You still got to come back at some you point. You still got to come back, but uh, I think the the modern conveniences of the Big Brother house, even though sometimes, you know, if you lose a competition, you can be put on slop, which is a punishment. So you don't get to eat the food. You're eating this. No one, I don't think really knows what the slop is. I mean, it kind of looks like oatmeal, but I've heard it's not really anything like oatmeal. I don't know, but that's all you can eat for like a week or two. Yeah. And there are some contestants right now who just entered the house because this competition just began uh, last week. They're on two weeks of that for Every meal. So then you become weaker. You become not as alert. I mean, that's like Survivor. Yeah. So, again, there's another similarity. But uh, I think I'd go, I'd side Big Brother. I just, like I said, I don't think if I were in a house,
1: it's not different enough. Like, yeah, you, you, it's different in the set, in the sense that you're on a set or on a soundstage. But the atmosphere being outside all the time. Would put my brain, if I'm trying to win the game, which is the ultimate goal in my mind, I think I'd be better served to be on Survivor, to mentally be in the game.
0: Well, do you have any inkling or feeling that you're going to give Big Brother a chance right now with the lack of other content on television and no fall Survivor season?
1: I think I could get into it. Okay. We'll see. Well, I let gotta, me know. I got to catch up.
0: Let me know. Yeah, know you're not far. You're not far behind. You can jump into Big Brother anytime. And I, I remember one time we had a weather intern here and working at night. And then we looked over at the TV, and there it was. Big Brother was on. And I said, Would you watch? And they said, Well, no, but what's it about? And I, I looked over at them and I said, Well, it's not really about anything, and it's really hard to explain because, like you said, there are all <laughs> these little things going on. But it, once you watch it, it's easy to pick up, and it's just fun summer television. Yes, it is.
1: Let's move on to What the Hail.
0: What the Hail? What
1: the Hail was going through my mind on Monday? We already touched on the fact that a radio show moved through. That was later in the day. Earlier in the day, I was actually supposed to be off on Monday. You were. What I like to do on my off days is go out and golf. It was hot and humid on Monday. I've done that before. I went to the golf course. I'm going to play nine holes. I knew we had a chance for severe weather, so I was going to try and be done at a certain time Mm -hmm. to be available for the evening. I got out there. I decided to walk. I didn't ride in the cart. I walked. First two Mm -hmm. holes, I was good. Feeling good. Sounds about right. Third hole. What am I doing? It's hot. Fourth hole, the sweat starts dripping from my face, mixed with sunscreen, into my eyes. Oh, I hate that. My shirt is now a puddle, and I still got half the round to go. (laughs) I get on hole eight, and I'm standing over the putt, and there is a stream of sweat falling from my hat. Oh no. I am sweating through my hat. (laughs) Well, it
0: was a humid day.
1: Yes. It, it, the temperature was only in the mid-80s, but the feels-like temperature was had to be in the low 90s, I would assume. Yes, yeah, I believe so. If not a little bit higher into the mid-90s. It was a brutal afternoon, and by the end, I was just like, I'm not going to walk anymore. I'm too old.
0: <laughs> you deserve a little, uh, little luxury sometimes. Yes,
1: a ride in the cart. But that's the proof that us meteorologists, even though we know the weather sometimes do silly things when it <laughs> comes to that and being out in the elements
0: that's just a guy thing you figure hey, I, I can walk this no problem
1: i did it like two months ago it was a little hot and toasty but it wasn't i don't think it was as humid as it was mm-hmm. i walked the same exact course but the second time walking it in that humidity that was rough mm-hmm. same thing happened on or another thing happened on monday that i experienced after the derecho moved through I was on my way home. It was late early morning. Only a few establishments are open mm-hmm. in the mid- at that time of night. I find one. My go to at this place, you'll probably I'm not gonna name it, but I'll name what I usually order and you'll <laughs> be able to tell what I <laughs> get. Hmm. What will we hmm. be able to figure this out? I usually get a double quarter pounder with cheese. Hmm. I got it. Yes. <laughs> uh, this I've never had this issue. They tried to pull a fast one on me, Nicholas. Tell me, what did they do? They gave me one uh, there were two patties on there. One patty was the was a quarter pound patty. Okay. With a nice delicious slice of cheese. Underneath that patty though, the second one, was a generic run of the mill hamburger patty. That was not a quarter pound. You are kidding me. And it was not just that. It was burnt to a crisp. No. I was, I did not discover, I was out of power whenever I got back to my apartment. And I discovered this as I was sitting down to a nice delicious meal by candlelight. (laughs) And I was like, are you serious? So it also brought back memories of places pulling fast ones on me. Tell me. There's uh, another place that I would order chicken nuggets from, a 10-piece spicy nuggets. Okay. So you can also tell what It's helping me know what you're talking about. (laughs) These spicy nuggets, but in this 10-piece spicy nugget, there are about two or three non-spicy nuggets. Oh, this is a crime. I am having some bad luck with my fast food recently. Maybe it's a sign <laughs> that I should stop eating fast food, maybe so regularly.
0: <laughs> that you should stock up on kale or something?
1: Yeah, that would be a good idea. <laughs> I do have to go to the grocery store. I gotta throw everything out in my fridge because we were out with oh, power do. for 24 hours. Oh, no, I know. Last
0: time we <laughs> talked, you were hoping you'd be able to save something.
1: Yeah, it. but I'm just, I'm not gonna risk it. Right. Freezer stuff, I'm gonna leave in there. Freezer okay. stuff, I'm gonna okay. say is fine. I had a few things in the fridge, it wasn't a big deal. Ah, yeah, go rebuy them. They were on sale anyway. They'll still be on sale this week. It's a weekly sale. Yeah. But I just... I was a little irritated I after don't a blame long you. day.
0: I don't blame you. Anything like that ever happened to you? Well, I had I had an interesting dinner experience happen on Monday as well. But... Something in the water. But it wasn't related to a fast food establishment. It was related to a prepared meal that I had brought in. So it was a barbecue meal. And it was... I believed barbecue pulled pork because that's what the label on top said. But then I look at the side, and (laughs) the side says barbecue pulled chicken. So then I'm thinking, well, wait, what Hmm. the heck am I eating here? Is it chicken or pork? But I like both. So. Did you figure it out? What was it? I didn't know. I I could not tell. So the barbecue sauce. Between the barbecue sauce, I couldn't figure out if it was pork or chicken, but. Pork and chicken have very similar textures whenever they're pulled. Right. They do. They do. And there really wasn't too much time to investigate because we were in between our severe weather coverage and going on the air for the news at 11. So I just said, well, whatever this is, I'm going to eat it and enjoy it. And it's delicious. The mystery will continue. So, yeah. Well, maybe the one way to
1: figure this out is to go get one of each now and Mm -hmm. see which one tasted more.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Hey, as long as it was pork or chicken and we're not dealing with a third choice... The mystery third meet.
1: Yeah, we'll be okay with that. (laughs) Let's move on to hits and misses. Hits and misses. So we briefly touched on it. I think the biggest miss uh, over the last week was probably the strength of storms, but that comes from not having the models necessarily, the models didn't pick that up until the morning of. Yes, right. So that goes hand in hand with our hit that we knew we were going to get rain on Monday. Mm-hmm. We had that chance in there for several days, even spanning back to the previous week. And I I know that uh, it was very frustrating over the weekend because we felt like the models kept flipping, mm-hmm. and we were so adamant that it was going to rain on Monday evening, but the models were not just picking up on it all every time. Right. Right. And to see it. F- come through was a relief, but
0: not to that scale.
1: That's not what
0: we wanted. Right. Yeah, when we saw what happened, not just here, but in so many other spots. Yeah. That was,
1: it's a lot, of, a lot of loss. Unfortunately, we had a, a fatality mm-hmm. here in Fort Wayne from a mobile home, uh, but it was uh, interesting to see how quickly everything came into agreement on Monday morning with that derecho coming through and picking up steam and moving through the Midwest. Our other hit was the Sunday high. Uh, I have this over Joe because Joe bumped it back up to 88. He had it at 88 on Saturday. I bumped it down to 87. Sunday morning, he bumped it back up to 88. Our high on Sunday was 86. So
0: So you take the gold star on that. Joe, if you were listening back to this, I beat you on that one. There you go. And this is perfect because he's yelling at the speakers right now. I'll get, a but you win later. because you're here in the studio. Yes, I am. <laughs> Let's check the inbox. It's the Past the Forecast inbox.
1: Today's Past the Forecast inbox question comes from Sarah, and she wants to know: Do we ever get scared during severe weather? So we were just on wall to wall coverage on Monday. Was there? any point during that coverage that you felt scared?
0: Well, I would say generally, no. I'm not scared when we go on the air to do severe weather because we're always on there. We're used to that part yes. of it. I think if I'm scared of anything, it's the fear of, are we missing something? Because we are balancing so much information coming into the Weather Center. And like Monday's event, we have the whole area, all of our counties being affected as these storms move eastward, we may be paying attention and focusing on one spot. Well, the weather of course keeps going in the other spots and it's you know passing along the information about what we're focused on, but still paying attention to what's going on in the other spots and kind of bouncing back and forth between the tornado warning, the severe thunderstorm warning, the place is not seeing anything yet. Um, I never want to miss anything. I think that's – I fear more of that than the actual going on air. But then on Monday, we added a special wrinkle. I Monday did get scared. Monday was interesting. I, I did get scared because – We're talking about the same moment. Yes. Tell, tell everybody what happened.
1: So uh, echoing what Nicholas just said, our biggest fear during any kind of severe weather is that we miss something because people are turning to us for information that could be potentially life-saving. And, and that's what our biggest – Fear is anytime we're doing severe weather. But like you said, on Monday, there was a little wrinkle that happened. That's right whenever the winds started to pick up. We started to hear them howling through the tower, mm-hmm. and we started to hear the rain. At that same moment, the fire alarm started going off.
0: That's something that we don't know what's going on. Right, and we have the strobe light flashing in the studio with the alarm going off. Yeah. It wasn't
1: as loud as what you would hear outside it's a little more muffled in the studio Mm -hmm. but the lights still flash to let people in the studio know that there's a situation going on outside so that raised both of our i think we might even had a moment of eye contact like we don't know what's going on at this moment right uh that was probably i wouldn't say scared during that maybe uncertainty Like, what is going on? Like, usually we're in control. Even though it's Mother Nature, we don't control Mother Nature. We're in control of the information we're relaying. But in that moment, we were not in control of outside factor of the studio and the building. Turns out, it was just a power hit to our tower, which is no surprise with how much wind we had and all the lightning as well. And that just something in the circuitry triggered the alarms to go off.
0: Yeah. And thank goodness, it's always because it can be so many things. Um, you know, when that happened in the heart of severe weather happening outside, you think about, wait, is something, you know, we, we weren't seeing anything mm-hmm. hitting our building. But when an alarm's going off, you're getting all these conflicting, you know, thoughts in your brain like, well, what is happening? You hear an alarm. You think I got to take cover. I got to do this. But we're on the air doing our jobs, giving people the information they need. Um I've been through many power hits here at the station, never has an alarm gone off associated with that. So, while that thought crossed my mind briefly, since I had never had evidence of that being a factor that happened with the power hit, I I wasn't necessarily thinking about that. Most times when that alarm goes off, it's because somebody's left a door open for too long, one of our outside doors. Then the alarm starts going off to say, hey, someone's either entering the building or there's a door open. You need to secure yeah, the premises. So at, at the very first sound of that, I just thought, oh, someone is maybe outside looking at the clouds or getting a video or doing something. And so, it, you know, once they hear it, then they close the door and it stops. But this was going on much longer than usual. So,
1: and we started hearing people enter the studio. Right. And we did Why are people coming through the studio? What is going on? Turns out people were just coming in the studio because it was quieter in the studio than it was in other parts of the building. So they were trying to get a break from the noise. <laughs> so at that point, I, I like I made eye contact with them. I'm like, are we okay? Are we... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is everything okay and good? And they're like, yeah, we're good. It just... They just started going off, and turns out because it was a power hit. But in, gen, in generalities... As long as we are familiar with the situation, severe weather, we do often enough. The only fear that we have with severe weather is that we're not getting the information to you that you need to know or that we're missing something. Because at least for me, whenever I was younger and I was scared of severe weather, the meteorologist on TV was the calming presence. Mm-hmm. So right. I think one of our biggest goals is to make sure that we keep people calm and that we don't scare them. We just try and inform them of what they need to do and be that calming presence during Agreed. that time. You can send those questions in to pasttheforecast at com. P-A-S-T-T-H-E-F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T at W-A-N-E dot
0: com. Anything else you want to add? Well, I would just like to send a big thank you to you and Joe. We've talked about You were scheduled to have a vacation day on Monday. Joe had already filled in on the morning shift. Both of you guys stepped up, said, hey, can we come in, can we help out? You were here and you were awesome in the work that you did and getting our coverage on the air. You flowed with me well when we were doing that on air, severe weather coverage. I shout out so many different things for you to do on Mm -hmm. radar when we're doing our coverage. You know, We got everything covered. Joe was in the control room, then he was also out in the field. Uh, when we had damage for our late news, Joe killed it because so, that was a
1: double shift for Joe. Yeah.
0: So, but Long both day. of you, both of you pulled some extra and unknown hours from when we started off the day on Monday till when the storms, you know, moved through, and you had to be called into action, and you were here, and you you just performed in a stellar fashion. So our coverage would not have been as good without you guys. So I thank you very much for that. And I'm glad that our weather now for the rest of the week has calmed down significantly. Well,
1: thank you for saying that. It's unnecessary because that is our job. And we appreciate you leading us on that. But uh, we, we are always willing to jump in and help because we are a weather team here. And we want to provide the best coverage that people can count on.
0: That's right. Here we
1: go. We have the tagline in. We're all good. Are you ready to pick a number? Yes, I'm ready. All right. We'll see you next time as we try and be 83%. 83%. 83. Just a random 83? Any meaning?
0: Uh, it's one of my favorite numbers. There you go.
1: 83% right about the weather this week.
0: This has been Past the Forecast Podcast from Wayne 15.